like yeah. it's like it, it can really mess with your brain. Um, the question at that point is, what's my version of that? That that's really important. What's my version of that? So my version of that was, uh, and continues to be the house down the coast. You know, the holiday house, the pool, and and you know that's not. Well, that's what I think. But like, like, if we continue with that, what's my version of yeah. that? So I think um, people listen, not people, I think it's easy to listen to, let's just stick with Brant. I don't know a lot about his life, I don't know what he's done, but, you know, just the real uh, tiny little things. But you, you could listen to some of these things and go, oh, well, he, he just like... Um, I don't know, he said, you know, jumped on a parachute and down to Sydney Harbour Bridge. Oh, so what's my version of that? The important thing is, like, it's not about, oh, I need to do a massive stunt in my industry or my thing. That's my version. No, I, I'm not. I think what you're saying is, like, it's actually not that. It's the question before all of that of, like, what is trying to satisfy. And maybe it's, it's interrupting the pattern of life or just doing something that creates, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, well, so often people see that and it's so inspiring to them that they, they want to go do something like it when really you say, well, no, they, they inspired you. You you received the feeling. That's great. And you have such appreciation for them. Sometimes people go and do something because they go, they say, I want people to have that appreciation towards me in a way. Like it's a, when he's not necessarily trying to get the attention, he's saying, I love the experience of doing this. The byproduct is that we get a lot of attention. And uh, you said something before where you said in any industry, there's there's one or two things like dentistry, it's flossing, say, that is really the, the thing to focus on. So uh, there's like, yeah, nutrition, say, there's, 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 there's a lot of distractions and idealism and they only really apply in this point, but there's a couple of fa- principles if you like. And I think when we listen to a biography and we hear someone talk about their story or their passion, we're getting closer to the essence perhaps of what that principle is through life, which might be along the lines of following what interests you, uh, follow what you love, what uh, or, or the sense of, ups and downs, the sense of story, of challenge, of unfolding. And when you hear a few, rather than thinking, yeah, I need to do that, it's the real issue is, or the real story is, well, if you're on the other side of the the microphone, you'd have a story like that too. Everybody does. I think Andrew Denton did that really well in Australia. Uh, He had this little show called Australian Story and he would interview somebody quite famous perhaps Australian famous, if you like. Uh, and But you're in the, at the at the end of the show, he would just pick one or two people out of the audience and just give them five minutes to tell their story. And it's really amazing stuff. And some people have got a more interesting story than others because they, I don't know, were in a war or they had some crazy thing where they, you know, they didn't know that their mum was actually their sister and there was another parent that had adopted them and all this kind of stuff. There's some crazy stuff out there. But I think everybody's got that story, but sometimes people don't know how to recognize it. So therefore, when asked, what's your story, wouldn't know to say it or they think, oh, no, you wouldn't want to hear this. And 
usually when someone says that, oh, you wouldn't want to hear this, you're like, oh, let me be a judge of that. <laughs> because that's that's usually it. Uh, so I think maybe when you're listening to those things, the reason they're easier is that, they, that they're closer to the principles of life well, than it, it, the it's, noise. Uh, I think we tend to link a story to, like, what's your story to being, like, that there's a beginning and an end, like that there's a there's a there's a starting point with struggle, and people can usually identify their struggle, but when they can't identify the end of the struggle and the overcoming of it, it doesn't feel like a story anymore, um, or the joy, so to speak, that that doesn't lead to an accomplishment, uh, then it just it just feels like an experience. Um, so. I think that's true because, like you've heard me say before, I believe it's always good in the end. And if it's not good, it's not the end. However, if I'm interviewing you and you're in Struggle Street right now, you can feel like a bit of a failure. And then the people around you can, uh, the audience can hear you and go, oh, he's really, he's really lost and that guy's struggling. As if it's the end. Completely unaware that they're observing somebody mid-process. And mid transformation, like when when we get married, there's that's a difficult period that people don't want to admit. But there's transformation in that, right? That you're going from single to living together to married, and we did that in six months or something. And transition periods suck; they're difficult. Even though you're transitioning to something awesome, the transition is fundamentally hard, and nobody really wants to bear their soul during that period. And also I think a lot of people will observe people in a transition period and feel good about themselves because they're not in one and they're like, Oh, well, they should be doing this and they could be doing that. And, um, we do compare like that. I'm, I'm hundred percent guilty of it, but we don't want to talk. I think about you can do that. With, yeah. We I think want, we can, should be able to do it with love in our heart rather than. Yeah. We fatiguing. want to talk about it in retrospect or in, in, mm. in Mm. you know in hindsight or whatever um we were talking about that last week because we were talking about your podcast saying wouldn't it be cool if you were able to be talking with and interviewing people that are just going into a particular industry and they're they're, they're struggling to find their way and you're able to sort of maybe help in that conversation pull out some of those things that people do struggle with and maybe within the conversation, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what I'd love to hear is, you know, I'd say an entrepreneur that's going through the things that I might be going through right now and hearing somebody that's not in that that might have dealt with it or know somebody that did and is saying, you know, ABC. And I was like, oh, that'd be so cool because I've heard some podcasts like that where they were just off the cuff, tended to be like a coaching session type uh, one and they were really valuable, but the reality is, as you were saying when we we're having the discussion, but nobody wants, nobody wants to not only bring their dirty laundry on, but they don't want to be seen like that. Everyone wants to push that to the side and wait mm. till they are a big success and and then be you know on the stage, mm. so to speak. Uh, and the ref- the interview that you were referring to, where you saw it done, was a woman in a essentially a third world environment that is just so desperate for help and is just feels so lucky to get access to somebody in a Western world that can show her 
how to set up some things strategically that she, she didn't have any, um, didn't have any pride. It wasn't that she didn't have any pride. She's a very proud, she's a proud woman, but she, she had a humility where she, she wasn't concerned about looking small. She was thinking, this is, I don't, I don't care about that community out there. Like whatever that they don't, I'm not trying to be, yeah, it was so, so foreign to her community, um, that she could be more honest. But people would normally do that if I call up you and say, Mick, let's workshop your business on air, which we do every week, mate. You and I chat every week, but there's a lot of stuff that we don't talk about on air because it it's not appropriate. It, it feels private. Um, we do our best to have honest conversations about growth, but there are some things where at some point it's private and um, and also it impacts other people and you just don't want to... Uh, their situation and that's the reality of it and i get that um hey i was just thinking about a book that is worth checking out that is also now a movie so you can take the shortcut approach to called a walk in the woods or just walk in the woods have you heard of this no i haven't heard of it no so a brilliant writer from new hampshire actually but um called bill bryson i read this book quite a number of years ago and he wrote a fantastic book about Australia called Sunburnt Country and he's a like I don't want to sort of say he's a travel journalist really he's he's an he's just an amazing writer and extremely funny so he'll just kind of pick those quirky little things you know in Sunburnt Country he's going to those tiny little towns in Australia and Instead of going and looking at the big banana or whatever, he's like, I'm not going to the big tourist stuff. I'm going to go to some back like museum and find out all the quirky little things that happen in that town and what that says about this country. I learned. I think more. had a TV show as well. Oh, that was a mo- no. You're right. It was a so yeah. So, hey, go on. Sorry. Go on. Anyway, that's a great book. So check out Sunburn Country. You'll learn more about the history of Australia than in any class I ever took. But Walk in the Woods was him hiking the Appalachian Trail. And uh, Robert Redford turned it into a movie. And Robert Redford is Bill Bryson in the movie. And he takes a walk in the woods with a friend. And uh, other than that, it's it's just a fabulous movie because it's all about, and the book is too, all about the experience. I'll just leave it at that. It's brilliant. And, you know, the, the movie is not as good as the book as they always are, but it's a really quick short-form way of doing it. So, Walk in the Woods, go and check that out because it's, it's just highlighting these things that, you know, we tend to, like, brush to the side and go, oh, that's getting in the way of what I'm trying to do, trying to be. And in reality, this is you. Like, this is what I'm trying to be. Like, <laughs> what other experience am I trying to create here? So the struggles, it's like it's emphasizing the fact that these struggles that one goes through, that's, you know, I mean, we always freaking say it, that's the journey. But um, this, I think, book and, and movie sort of wow. do a pretty good job. Did you of listen that. to the audio book or did you read it? I read it, yeah. yeah. Mm. And it, it's not, he's not the kind of writer you start reading and put down. It, it's very funny, yeah. laugh out loud stuff. I, so. know. I know some of his stuff and- I actually didn't realize. I thought he was English. I didn't realize he was from there. Well, he was English originally, I think, and then moved to New Hampshire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense. So, yeah, there's a history yeah, there. He's very English. funny. Yeah. It's very funny. 
Um, mm, good stuff. So, so I'll just add that to my flossing list. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Got to check out that book. <laughs> and I'm adding that to my flossing list. And I'm also adding the podcast uh, by um, Eric Fiddler or Richard Fiddler or whatever his name is. And yeah, I'll, I'll add that. That's, that's great. I should think of a few things that you should do as well. Yeah. Sorry, Bruno, about all this. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's fine. I'm just teasing, obviously, because the, and, but these are the things that we do want to do, and they feel good. And the, the you know that uh, that's the way I do think about a lot of things. Is does it create joy in me? Like I'm interested in that. Like I'll probably hop off. I'll probably download as, that as soon as uh, I get off the air here. But there are other things where it becomes this angst, like oh yeah, I should do that, and you and you feel guilty for weeks and months for not acting on it, and one of the things that's been helpful for me, I've probably said before that I've started to just allocate quarters of my years to different things. So this quarter at the moment is allocated to setting up the new podcast for the mortgage broken community and, and also some of the other um, service and product offerings around that. And then uh, next quarter is really going to be allocated to writing a lot more. Uh, The first quarter of the year was allocated to just, I have a huge amount of work in the first um, month, February, February, March for me personally is just a ridiculous, insane amount of work, but also that was getting married and organizing that and uh, yeah, plus a few other projects. But so I think in quarters, so I'm aware that it's reasonable say with your diet to say, look, it's not practical for this right now, but starting in two weeks from now, I'll allocate some time to do the shop properly and I'll get some momentum up there. And not that we're always putting things off, but that we're just aware that the priority priority is singular, not not plural. I am confronting that right now with actually diet. What I was just before I left the comfort of Pennsylvania with Liz, I was like, I really just, I need to go back and start kicking the carbs in the ass because I've let them really creep way, way back in again. And uh, so I was like, yeah, right. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, if you, you know, I'll do it while I'm in Pennsylvania. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, it's never worked when I've traveled. I've always come undone when I'm traveling because in America, I think it's probably the same in Australia, but particularly in America, it is hard to travel and eat well. Long-term travel, like it's not so bad if you're just making a quick pit stop at an airport and you just you know snack on peanuts and water and you know other stuff to just get you through. But when you're traveling for ten hours on a road and there's nothing but roadside diners, <laughs> it's like it's bad. Um, Trader Joe's is the best option, isn't it? If you can find them, yeah. But that's like the kind of place that you're just never going to find it. It's never next to a highway. You don't find those kinds of places. They're always you know petrol stations just filled with junk and so uh, it just hasn't gone well for me at all while i've been traveling here in pennsylvania which is where i am right now uh, i mean i haven't been terrible it just means i'm eating you know salad rolls and subs and stuff like that and you know it's not like terrible terrible stuff but just still really carby because i know it's going to be difficult for me to get satisfied and in the same way i felt i had to just sort of go you know what it's better that you just put this off until you get back and you're stabilized again because it's way more effort for you to pull this off right now and you've got a lot going on 
and it's just going to become a point of failure. So why introduce another point of failure when you've already got a whole lot of them that <laughs> you're trying to manage? Yeah. Why don't you move forward? I th- and I think the psychology there too is that when you say, I'll start when I travel and it doesn't actually work out, what really the psychology I believe is that the, the brain is looking for a starting point, a, a, a change. Like right now, I'm so chaotic, I can't do it. But I can see a change coming up when I'm on the road and I can think about it more then. And then obviously on the road doesn't, doesn't, isn't practical. So then often people do this for holidays. I'm going to start exercising when I'm, when I'm on holidays. Well, holidays is not a time you exercise unless you absolutely love exercising. So really it's now I'm going to take the holiday and then when I come back, I will have had two weeks or a weekend or something to think through how I'm going to run the next week. So really I think the psychology is the brain's looking for a benchmark, a starting point to begin. And once you know it's your milestone, yes, great, great language. And then once you've got a milestone, you can sort of relax about this week and accept, all right, I'm not going to blow out here. I'm going to make the best decisions I can, but I'm not going to feel guilty about it because I know I'll start next week when it's practical. And and if you keep moving it next week and next week and next week, it's obviously, you know, you've got some other shit you've got to sort out. But, um, but I think the, yeah, the milestones is big. And for me, when I've put in these quarter four times a year that each you know the year is broken into those four parts i've put in mental milestones for myself and that's been really helpful uh really helpful and then to choose it doesn't mean that something doesn't bleed into the next one like once you get your diet sorted out and you get some momentum up this can just be a way you live like at the moment i wake up every morning and i cook eggs and in the early days i would never have gotten up early like in the past i was never a morning person but i just made the decision and I might cook eggs every day and that was a decision and it took a long time for it to become habit, but now it's just so normal. So when I choose the next thing and the next, next benchmark, it's not like I'm dumping the habits and behaviors. It's just, it took a, you know, it took a couple of months to get that one natural in my system. So it's a given. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I guess I'll just bring to light the fact that, you know, the failure points just happen and maybe diet's a good one to use as an experimental thing, as is exercise, where you can see over periods of time over your life where where you've tried to do things and when they've failed, and you can see enough consistencies to know what's what's going to work. But for me, there's also like these challenges is like I've never gotten over that hump of like I've had like two to three months of really great work with both diet and exercise and then it fell to pieces and it it's usually been because somebody came and visited and they were here for two weeks three weeks and even though like so if my mom comes or whatever it's not like mom's gonna be like oh yeah I want to eat this and then oh you know you shouldn't go to the gym anymore it's just that your your schedule everything changes because you're going to different and new places you don't normally go anymore as you you probably have when you're at the wedding it's just impractical when you got all these people (laughs) to be like oh we can't do all those things or I can't need to maintain this strict schedule you adapt and, and it's hard to maintain those all of those things like the flossing when when that transition's already always coming so it, i kind of feel like the transition is the thing that that you know 
kills me. And usually the transition into knowing I've got a dentist appointment in about three weeks is pretty good at picking up the flossing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to be forgiving and just say, oh, we're in a transition period. And it's not like I'm saying no to flossing. I'm not saying no to meditating or being on the roller or hanging out with my kids. It's just right now, this is where I'm at. And when I when it uh, next week, it might be different. And next week, it might be different. And not, not a case of when I get time, because I don't think that's accurate. Uh, you, you can make something a priority, but it's different. I feel like, you know, it's like flossing. Yep. You know what? That'd be bloody great. Right now, I'm getting up at, you know, 5.30 in the morning. I get home at midnight. I'm absolutely exhausted from speaking all day. I just need to do... I need to drink. I need to hydrate a lot because it makes me feel good for the next day. I need to eat properly. I need to sleep as much as I can. And you know what? I might skip a few things this week, and then uh, and and then the following week I'll rebalance. I think it's just normal. But yeah, bloody flossing. That's the that's just language, people. So let's make that part of the vernacular. Let's get that into the Webster dictionary for a commonly used phrase. I'm not sure if the dictionary does phrases, but. Bloody flossing. Flossing, I say flossing. What is flossing? Flossing is the uh, dental hygiene tool for removing the plaque and residue of food between teeth. Flossing can also be used as in bloody flossing, another unnecessary idealistic task the world wants me to do that consumes my mental energy, breaks my spirit, and makes me feel bad about myself for not doing. But really, you could just do it next week. And that is all she wrote, folks. (laughs) Mate. Make sure you floss before you sleep. (laughs) And trust me on the sunscreen too, right? Trust me on the sunscreen. See you, mate. Have a good one. Bye. See you, everyone. You've been listening to Risking Failure. To join the community and access more free content, news, and updates, subscribe at riskingfailure.com.